0: MemberMaker is brought to you by Memberspace. Memberspace makes it easy to run a membership business by plugging into your existing website so you can protect any page content you choose. Your members can also sign up and manage their account without ever leaving your site. Learn more and start a free trial at Memberspace.com. Welcome to MemberMaker a podcast about how to build a sustainable membership business. I'm your host, Ward Sandler, the co-founder of MemberSpace. Today, I'll be chatting with Jody Clark, founder of The Empowered Educator, about what inspired her to start helping early childhood educators, how she uses member feedback to build a content plan, and how changing her business name helped her attract a larger and more targeted audience. Hey, Jody, thanks for joining me.
1: Thank you. Ward. thanks for having me. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Welcome. So why don't we start off with you telling everybody what is your business and who do you help?
1: So my business is the Empowered Educator and I've had a blog oh for about five or six years now. So that's how I first started. And now I have a membership site. It's sort of evolved and um, I call that the Empowered Educator Member Hub. And I help early childhood educators around the world because there's a lot of similarities in our profession and uh, not a whole lot of support. There's quite a bit of support out there for primary teaching and uh, high school teaching, but early childhood mainly encompasses things like preschools, kindergarten, pre-K, home childcare. There's lots of different names around the world, but basically anyone that's working in the field of uh, early childhood, early learning, education, and I provide, they're very, it's a very time poor profession. It has a high. Uh, low retention rate, I should say. There's a lot of turnover in staff because of the level of paperwork involved. And uh, it's it's a difficult job, but you do it because you love it. So I try to make their job a little bit easier because I've been there, done that. I've worked in early childhood for 30 years. So that's showing my age there. But (laughs) I um, just try and make things a bit easier with things I've learned over the years. So I give... Uh, trainings, I do webinars, I do templates and little fact sheets and checklists and lots of things like that. But the, the basic overarching purpose is that I make teachers' lives a little bit simpler so they can spend more time with the children in their care and less time stuck at a desk or on their weekends, you know, writing and, and meeting all the paperwork requirements. So that's where I'm basically at at the moment.
0: Excellent. And is this for early childhood educators around the world or specific countries?
1: Yes, I'm based in Australia. So I originally had an audience from America, mainly America, UK, Canada and Australia, when I first started, because I was already blogging and had been blogging for quite a while, but in, in terms of early childhood. But then I narrowed down my niche quite a lot and I sort of went from including parents to more just including the early childhood educators. And I found that it is one of those professions where we're uh, worldwide. We tend to have the same sort of issues. Regulations vary across the countries and, you know, we have different names and, and different roles, but. Overall, there's a lot of the same pain points, a lot of the same things that come up over and over. So I would say my highest audience at the moment, the biggest audience is, of course, Australia, because I know those regulations best and that sort of thing. But it's definitely worldwide, and we have a really, really strong community. They call themselves Empowered Eds. So, yeah, they're they're really supportive of each other.
0: That's excellent. So obviously, you were a teacher, so that's how you kind of found this niche. But what made you decide, you know what? I want to teach this and I want to do this as a membership type business, as opposed to just stay as a teacher.
1: Yeah, it was actually my audience, I guess. I had a lot of people saying to me, you know, if you just, because I used to do webinars, training recordings, and they were quite popular, And um, uh, people would pay to come to the webinar, and I was doing that a bit before everyone else. Everyone else was just using free webinars, so it was quite difficult to find the (laughs) the software and things to have it as a paid version. But a lot of people were saying to me after reading blogs, and I've had an online resource shop for quite a while, so people were buying my eBooks and my resources already, and then they started saying to me, started emailing and saying, you know, I'd pay (laughs) to be able to access this all at once. Have you ever thought about, you know, having it all in the one place? And a membership site had been in my head for quite a while. And let me say for anyone thinking of it, it's not something that just happened overnight. I think I pretty much worked on this for about two, three years. It was in the back of my back of my mind. And it was always there that I wanted to do it. But the actual doing part was was a lot different, and I got to the point I think that really tipped me over was that I was so tired of constantly launching I was always in this launching cycle of doing for my different products and my different training and um, the way I was helping educators around the world and I started thinking I could help them so much better if this was all in one place, and i wasn 't continually spending all my time you know, that up and down cycle of launching and not knowing, you know, what you're going to be earning each month, but also being able to give them more help. I was starting to get to that point where I'm getting all these emails and I'm thinking, well, this is pretty much turning into individual consultation and I just don't have time to do that anymore. And it's always been really important to me that I give really hands-on advice and I'm really accessible and, you know, I keep things simple and not overcomplicate. And I think that's how I've been able to build my audience in that way. But there comes a point where you realize that there's only one of you. (laughs) So a membership site was finally something that instead of worrying about having everything perfect before I started the site, I realized that I just need to get in and, do this. And I will say it's taken over. It's become a lot bigger and it's a lot more work than I did expect, but it has allowed me to help so many more people in a more comprehensive way, I guess. And it's good because they're constantly, my members are constantly giving me feedback about what they would find helpful and what they need help with. And then I go away and create those things and put them into my member hub but down the track, I still do add things to my resource shop. So those that aren't members can still access things.
0: Yeah, no, that all makes a lot of sense. Uh, but let me just back up for a second here. So it sounds like you started with doing webinars, but even before that, what made you even decide, you know what, I want to do webinars or I even want to charge people for this? Like you went from being a teacher to doing that? Or were the webinars happening while you were still a full-time teacher?
1: Oh, no. Uh- I actually got out of early childhood for a few years and um, went into family and community services. But then we had twins and I had to take some time off work. And at that point, I decided I wanted to go back to early childhood, but I wanted to do it as my own business. So I did what we call here in Australia family daycare. And that means you're working from home with a set number of children, and that way I could still stay home with my twins while I was still getting that business side of my brain and the project management side of me into running the business, being with the kids. And I started sharing a lot of that on my blog. Before that, it used to be more based towards parents and it was play ideas. And I sort of broadened that and began sharing what I was doing in my family daycare journey, my how I was setting up the paperwork I was using, things like that. And I realized that that was becoming very, very popular (laughs) with my audience. And I decided that I would narrow that niche down a little bit and really focus on what I could do to help educators. So I went that way and then I realized I was thinking, you know, I quite often living in a regional area of australia it's it can be hard to access good quality training on topics that really interest you you know we tend to get those just uh, the plain vanilla type trainings that you know everyone does and i didn't want to i've done presentations before over the years live and uh, i just didn't want to do that with a young with young kids especially young twins in tow so i started offering that as an option online. I was creating, I created courses and workshops, and then I thought, I'll just take this online. So I started doing it that way. And and I was just amazed at how popular that was because early childhood educators tend to not have a lot of time to do training. So if you can sit at home, you know, after hours and you can sit there with your cuppa or your glass of wine or whatever, and you know, have that hour to yourself without having to be sitting there at work, it sort of really opened it up. And when I started it, not many in in our profession in teaching that sort of area. America was, but Australia and and most of my audience were very new to webinars. So I didn't actually even call them webinars. I called them online training or I called them workshops. Now people know what webinars are, but back then, they weren't. So that's how that originally started. And I, and I put those recordings of the live workshops and webinars into my resource, my online resource shop, and I would sell them as recordings and they did really, really well. So presenting is something I really like doing and I can connect. I've been told I can connect with educators really well in that way, because I just talk about my own experiences and things that would be helpful for them. So that's how the whole webinar sort of thing evolved. Eventually, I got to the point where I had to decide: am I going to keep doing family daycare or am I going to run this as an online business? Because the blogging, you know, I was doing that at, at night after a full day's work and, you know, been going into two in the morning and doing the trainings and things on the weekends. And it got to the point where I thought I can help people more by doing this and my family more by doing. Everything online, so I had to make a really big decision to turn off that you know set pay coming in each week, which I found really difficult, and go to that self employed model where you didn 't quite know what income was coming in, so eventually that did lead to wanting to have a recurring income with the membership side
0: yeah, I mean that lead that you spoke of that is something that everyone has to face at some point it 's very rare that someone starts a membership business or, or a side hustle of some kind and it's just perfect yeah. and you have the exact amount of money you were making before and then you can just quit. <laughs> exactly. Right? That's, that's only in the movies and uh, television shows uh, in real life. You got to save up money and then take, take a risk uh, is really what it comes down to.
1: Yeah. And it was a risk, but if you don't do it, it, you do get to that point of, do I do it or not? And if you don't, you're never going to know. So
0: Yeah. And I like how you focused on what you like doing, which is presentations and webinars, even if it was a little early for the time period, it sounds like. Yeah. It still sounds like you were focused on, okay, I like doing this. I'm good at this. This is what people were asking me for. So you really leaned in to what kind of feedback you were getting, which is brilliant. But uh, a question to you, you kept mentioning your audience when you were a teacher and then you left and then you uh, were having a family and then you got back to start your own business. How did you build up that initial audience to get people to even know about you?
1: Uh, I think it was mainly, it was just consistent uh, blogging. And (laughs) I keep going back then, it's only six years, five, six years ago, but I connected with a really good group of other mums and bloggers. We call it the Australian Kid Blogger Network because we all blogged around kids' activities and things like that. And we did a lot of sharing Um, blog posts. Facebook was a really big thing to build your Facebook page. So I started with that and uh, lots of comments on other people's blogs and, you know, connecting with other people in your community so you could share things around. But I guess it was just, you know, I could say it was organic, but it was a lot of hard work. It was a lot of social media. Pinterest is one of my biggest and remains. I sort of got into Pinterest right at the beginning or close to the beginning when you were still having to be invited (laughs) and had to apply to get into Pinterest. And that is still my, it's my number two refer of traffic after organic Google searching now. So focusing on that, focusing on the Facebook page, having a business page, sharing, consistently sharing just blog posts every time we put them out and really networking within the community. And then I also started going on to other facebook pages that were early childhood focused. now we have when they brought in groups that was really great because you can pop into one of your you know professions groups and you've got a whole lot of people there and you can easily just jump in and say oh yes you know have you thought about using this and i've got this but it also helps you to see what their you know Worried about at the moment, or what they want more information on, and then i 'd go away and do some research and write a blog post on that, so I was constantly speaking straight to the audience and I think because i 'd been there done that as well, I know what 's difficult, and I know what people want to read about and I 't think there was any magic <laughs> magic thing. it was a lot of being accessible, being on your page and answering your community, you know whatever someone leaves a, a comment, being really engaged and thanking them. And, uh, I started building my email list. Uh, not, not as soon as I should have, if I'd known what I know now, but, uh, that was another way. And I do a weekly newsletter and I've done that for a very long time where I give lots of value in that newsletter. It's not just about selling to people. And then there's a few links to blog posts and things at the end, but it's more about a focused topic each week and helping out people in my community. And, just that real sense of belonging, I guess. I started very early. I did have a name change. I was Mummy Musings and Mayhem because I was parent based. Once I changed over to the Empowered Educator, I found that really helped bring a bigger audience in, in that way, because it was very focused and they knew exactly what the name sort of spoke to them then rather than just being a mummy parenting sort of blog.
0: Yeah. I like your tip there at the end about the the name change because it's much more clear what you are right. Yes. If someone has never heard of you and doesn't have a lot of context, they can kind of get it right away. Whereas a more cute name might sound nice, and you're writing down ideas. But when it comes yeah. to someone else's perspective, who doesn't have the context, is in a rush, etc. You know, being cute with a name isn't isn't necessarily a good idea.
1: You know, no. And it's fine when I was more aiming. My audience was mums and just kids' activities and things like that. There was nothing wrong with that, but it didn't speak. Once I decided to narrow down. It It didn't speak to my audience, and I, in fact, had quite a few educators, directors, and leaders, and and coordinators saying to me, "I'd like to pass your stuff on to. I really enjoy your work, and I like your work, but it just is not professional for me to pass on something from Mummy Musings and Mayhem." So, and I perfectly understood that it didn't sound professional. It wasn't something that they could, you know, print off and say, "Oh, you have a look at this. Person knows what they're talking about." So. Yeah. The, the cute name, think about your name. <laughs> uh, it does, it, it's not an easy process. That was also a really, a lot of brainstorming and a lot of, you know, I was this person now I've got to change over to this. I had to change branding and all that sort of thing, but it was definitely worth it.
0: Right. So do you have any challenges that you've kind of overcome? And, and by that, I mean, is there anything you've tried like a strategy or marketing or a price change or whatever that didn't quite work out that you'd like to share?
1: I don't think there's anything particularly that stood out that hasn't quite worked apart from the fact that for me in terms of the membership, the open and close launch model hasn't – it works in terms of bringing people in, but for me in my headspace it doesn't work as well because I find I'm really stressed, it's a lot of work beforehand and I have to put a whole lot of other things to the side and I find that really frustrating even though it it works in terms of getting people in, you know, in a big group, I mean, rather than an evergreen type always open cart, I just find it hard to connect with new people coming in and new members when you've got so many people coming in at once and you're stressed in yourself and there's all this open close, you know, and dates and things like that. So I found that strategy in terms of the membership didn't work as well I guess for me, because I sort of halfway through, I'd had enough, you know, halfway through the year, I'd be like, oh, I can't do this again. And that probably let me down in some ways.
0: Okay. So Jody, what is your pricing? Because I forgot to ask that earlier, actually. What, What do you actually charge to become a member?
1: So I have a monthly and an annual rate. So monthly is $39 a month. And then it's slightly discounted as an annual rate, which is 397. And that's actually quite a high tier for the teaching arena. I did a fair bit of research and, uh, I'm pleasantly surprised by how many people were willing to pay that $39. And I felt it was really, I couldn't go too much lower because I put so much into the member hub. I mean, there's not only webinars and recorded webinars and training and live webinars. There's also pages and pages of resources because I already had a lot of things from my resource shop. That I've sold over the years, and I'm constantly creating new content that goes in there each month as well. So I already had quite a base to put in to Member Hub to start with, and then I've added extras on each month as well. So it's more people will pay monthly, obviously, than the annual rate, but that does go quite well too, and it speaks more to the higher tier larger childcare centres and things like that, rather than the family daycare educators who are working on their own and, uh, you know, perhaps can't outlay, you know, a, a large amount at one time. So it's working quite well.
0: Right. Okay. So in closing here, what are some, you know, one or two or or a handful of resources you might recommend for folks who are trying to build a membership business specifically?
1: I think I, my biggest resource for membership would have to be the membership guys blog and podcast. And, uh, they've been really helpful. I've also had, I'd encourage people to have some sort of when they can a business coach who I use. Melanie Miller is my business coach from profitlovers.com. But Just listening to a lot of podcasts like this and getting ideas from other people doing it can be really, really helpful. I found that I'd just like to jot down some ideas here and there. Podcasts like Amy Porterfield, you know, the more ideas you can have and listening to your audience as well is a really good thing. Pop into the Facebook groups and, you know, get into the search bars and and type things like, how can I do this or how I'm having trouble with this, help me with this, and that will bring you up lots and lots of different topics and, and things and jump in there. Don't be afraid to jump in and, and talk to people. You don't have to be selling something, but it will really help you get an idea of what your core audience is looking for and how you can jump off from there and what, what, how that might work with what you want to offer. So lots of reading, lots of uh, <laughs> courses, lots of listening to how other people do things just like this podcast here today is doing. Sounds great. And uh, what's
0: the best way for people to learn more about you and your business?
1: Uh, the best way is to pop over to the com, And you can also find me at the Empowered educator across Facebook and Pinterest as well.
0: Great. Well, it was awesome talking to you, Jody. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you. It was great to be here.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. There's a direct link in the show notes. We really appreciate it. Member Maker is brought to you by Memberspace. Memberspace makes it easy to run a membership business by plugging into your existing website so you can protect any page content you choose. Your members can also sign up and manage their account without ever leaving your site. Learn more and start a free trial at Memberspace.com.